Today on Locked On Canadians, is it fair to criticize Martin St. Louis for the way the Canadians have been playing as of late and your mailbag questions? You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 956 of Locked On Canadians, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Laura Saba, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see that I've had some technical difficulties, so I was not able to get the video together. So I've put up a, a video. Uh, podcast essentially uh, just with our logo on it I just I, I simply was not able to get the video to work um, but I didn't want there to not to be a mailbag episode uh, if you're listening uh, wherever you get your podcasts you should be okay um, it's it should sound uh, perfectly fine on your end so I do apologize for those technical difficulties as well as the delay in getting this episode out the delay kind of allowed me to reflect a little bit about what I wanted to say after that Vegas Golden Knights game. Um, and for me, from my perspective, uh, that game wasn't too bad. But we do know that the Canadians have been sliding lately. Um, and I think that's totally fair to say no matter where you sit, right? Like they're they're not showing us too much promise as they were earlier in the season. And so what's happened in the market is that people have started to have some very strong feelings about Martin St. Louis and whether he should be coaching this team um or whether um you know he needs to be run out of town or whether we're allowed to criticize him at all um and i think that there's a lot of nuance uh at play here so that's what i kind of wanted to to talk about in this segment before i got into actual mailbag questions from all of you um and if you hear me clicking it's because i'm pulling up the canadians stats um uh to kind of look through as we talk so my perspective right now is that what i'm seeing is that some people just think that he's not a good coach he's just a bust he's a guy who's good at talking and he can't really coach not tactically not to development wise. And then I see other people that think that um, it's not okay to criticize him. And we shouldn't be talking about him at all negatively. And I think that neither description or perspective is fair. I think Martin St. Louis is a guy, right? He's a human being. Um, so he's not flawless. He's not perfect. I also think that the Canadians, you can't deny that the Canadians have improved their even strength game a lot over the past couple of years since he's been since he's been their coach uh, I think that another thing that we really really need to consider is is this the roster that he would have chosen if he were to be able to build his own team and I think we can all agree that it's not right the Canadians are not superstars there's a couple of promising players on their team there's a couple of people with star potential that aren't there yet but for the most part this is a team in firm rebuild that's what it is. The ideal pieces for this team are not here yet. Whether they haven't been developed yet or haven't been drafted yet, 
they're just, they're on their way. They're not here yet. So you have to consider that he doesn't have the tools that he needs. The other thing too, is that like, this is his first NHL coaching gig. So the Canadians hired him knowing that it was going to take some time to get this team to a contending point. So I think they're sort of allowing him that time for their learning curve. And I think that that's something that we can't forget, right? From my perspective, it just seems like we've kind of forgotten that he's learning as he goes and he's going to make mistakes. Like he's going to make a lot of mistakes. Like we all do that, right? Like how do we learn? So he's coming in with an expectation uh, that somebody like a Claude Julian with all the experience that he had, like has under his belt. So I think we kind of really need to step back and adjust our expectations. If he doesn't learn from his mistakes, if he continues to make the same ones, you know, months and months on end, then I'll worry. But if it's a couple of games stretch where we don't agree with what he's doing, and then eventually when it's clear that like it's just not going to work, like maybe he's having a little bit of patience with his idea or his new line or whatever, couple of games and it doesn't work and he doesn't change or switch his perspective then I'll worry but it's not like the Canadians right now you can't necessarily say that they're doing the exact same thing over and over and over and over again I mean he's gone bold right he split up Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki he is trying things I think we need to give him the benefit of the doubt that if something that he tries doesn't work he's going to readjust so like that's partly where I'm at. The other question that I have is in terms of I'm not there. I don't know. I'm not an insider. Unfortunately, I wish I was in the locker room day in and day out. How much of development falls on a coach and how much of it falls on the play, the, the player development team? And by that, I mean, is the coach tasked with the ideas of how to develop somebody or is the coach being told like, okay, we need this player to reach this milestone and then, or this player to get better at this, whatever, and then go from there. I, I I realize I'm sounding a little bit roundabout and confusing. What I mean is, yes, of course, the coach is involved in development. Like, he's supposed to grow these players. He's supposed to uh, ensure they learn. He's supposed to ensure that they are their best, that they, they attain their best potential. But at the end of the day, is there a framework that the whole team has agreed upon that he's working with, or is he just kind of trying out of thin air like is there a direction that he's been given is there a vision that that has been shared with him it like he's supposed to be a very active participant in development it's just that there's a whole development team so if we're watching a player not necessarily get better as fast as we think he should under Martin Saint-Louis like my questions aren't necessarily for Martin Saint-Louis that said this team has very obvious weaknesses and Sometimes I do sense that the optimal path is not being taken to address those weaknesses, whether it is keeping a line together too long, whether it is playing two players together that clearly don't work together, but just not being able to have that, um, not being able to have that, that humility to kind of accept that and change it as soon as possible. Um, that's a question that I do have. Like, I think that we have a lot of room to not be happy with the way things are going, but I don't think it's a run him out of town. He's a bust kind of situation. And that's where I'm at 
uh, right now. I think that like there are legitimate questions that the organization should be asking him. Like, why are you doing this this way? Or why aren't you changing your mind when it's clear it doesn't work, when it's not improving? And we also do need to remember, though, like there is, this is a very long game. Just think about how long he's been here. It is now his third season. And but in all in all, it's been two seasons total. So you look at that and you have to remember that, like, this is how long it took to get the Canadians to improve remotely on even strength. Right. So if he's trying to build a lasting framework of all kinds of positive structures to play within, I think that we need to give him that time. Like, I'm, I'm not ready to say that he's not a good coach. I'm not. Um, he's obviously a good motivator. He's obviously great at talking. And we know that that's only one part of the equation. The other part has to be um, tactician. And sometimes people are like, oh, well, he was outcoached. I'm like, yeah, he was outcoached by people who have many more years of experience coaching, period. And those people, even if they're a first-time NHL coach, often they've spent years in lower leagues. And Martin St. Louis did not do that. So yes, obviously he's being outcoached sometimes by more experienced coaches. The question for me will always be, how is Martin St. Louis adjusting? So maybe we take a step back and we don't call for his head, but also maybe we um, allow ourselves to criticize him. Like, I think I think it's totally fair to say that things are not going the way they should. Just like today, the video on my podcast is not going the way it should. Um, in the meantime, I do want to get into your mailbag questions uh, because there is a lot of meat there. And that will be coming up in just one moment here on Locked on Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Tell me, how often do you find out an artist you love is going to be in town and then you miss the boat on buying tickets and then you're trying to scramble and you end up overpaying, things are confusing, and it happens to me all the time. But I'm here to tell you that getting tickets should not be that stressful because now we have Game Time. And Game Time has flash deals and it's so easy to use. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And all in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. I mean, come on, let's talk about how annoying hidden fees are. With Game Time, you don't have that and you can get tickets in two in seconds with just two taps. So take the guesswork and the stress out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's get into our mailbag questions. So we had quite a few uh, this week, and I wanted to get into a couple of questions. Actually, we did have one from our good friend Kenneth about the Laval Rocket. And um, even though Scott will not be there for this week's Friday mailbag episode because it's Thanksgiving, what I will do is ensure he answers this question Um during the week so either on the uh, Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday episode so you will get your answer uh, about um, about Scott uh, sorry about the Laval rocket uh, from Scott I do promise you so we have a couple questions as well from a good friend of ours uh, Lucas and so this was honestly um, 
uh, it was really good to hear from Lucas after it had been a while. Uh, all right. So I have some thoughts, some questions, and a trade idea that I was hoping to get your thoughts on. My thoughts are, we have to lay off Slavkovsky. It's a massive change going from European ice to North American ice. And he spent no time in Laval to get adapted. He's working his ass off and is looking much more confident weekly as Martin St. Louis continues to give him good ice time. Give him another one or one and a half to two years before we make a judgment on it. So I think that's, that's fair. Um, and, and I talked a little bit about the Lafreniere uh, length of time that it took and the learning curve for him. So I'm in full agreement with Lucas on this one. And then the other question is, what does Anderson have to do to finally score a goal? He's getting so many good chances and the puck is not wanting to go into its home when it's coming off of Anderson's stick. Against the Flames alone, he hit the post twice and got robbed with an absolute incredible save by Markstrom. I am still mad at Markstrom for that Tuesday night game. That's me. That was, I, that was, that was me. <laughs> um, all right, question. Is anyone else worried that we do not have the team yet to make the playoffs, yet the good start in standings would make you think it might have an outside chance? So assuming we don't make the playoffs, we'll get an eh draft pick and could start a run of being the worst thing in the NHL, which is a mediocre team that can't get a top draft pick. That is the circle of death or the cycle of death uh, when it comes to NHL hockey. And it is, um, I can't remember what 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 it's termed, uh, but it is kind of the worst thing where you're not good enough to make the playoffs, but you don't get a good enough draft pick to make a big impact on the team. So I, I'm concerned about this on like a bigger picture level, but I think right now with all the good prospects they have in the pipeline, I'm more concerned that they are going to be able to improve. They are going to be able to become a contending team in a couple of years, but they're not replenishing the the, 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 the prospect closet quickly enough um, and well enough. So if they are in that, you know, middle ground there where they have an eh draft pick, um, it's going to be a couple of years of that. So when the time comes that all these prospects, they start contending and then they start demanding more money and you need to replenish that supply. That's where you're going to run into the problem. All right. And then Lucas also has a trade proposal. We are all aware of the struggles in Edmonton. And we're also aware that we have a very crowded goalie room, especially if you consider Fowler at BC, who will be joining us soon. Assume that Savard comes back and looks healthy. What do you think of the following trade? Montreal sends to Edmonton, Savard and Allen. Edmonton sent to Montreal, Campbell with 50% salary retained. Um, RNH and a first round pick would also accept a second. Um, this would give Edmonton a solid defender and goalie, which is exactly what they need. Whereas Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't going to win them a cup. Montreal gets uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's on a great term, great long-term deal with a good cap hit. We obviously don't need Jack's contract, but after Edmonton retaining 50%, we can then send him on waivers and see if he can get things back in Laval. The cap is basically a wash for both teams, and Edmonton gets immediately better. They also prove to their fans that they still believe in this team and have plenty of assets, so losing a draft pick or two for us to take on Jack's contract isn't really a backbreaker for them and vital for us. So I think that Edmonton is going to want way more for Ryan Nugent Hopkins to be included in this trade. I do agree with the idea of sending off Savard and Allen, um, but it would be 
Edmonton taking Savard because they want Allen. So that's the perspective that I have on it. Um, with Jack Campbell, honestly, not a fan of him. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't see him getting it back. Honestly, like I feel that like that that stint with Toronto where he was good was a flash in the pan. Before that, he didn't have those numbers. After that, he doesn't have those numbers. Like Jack Campbell, that's like that was the peak of his career, and it was an outlier. So it doesn't really change anything for us. Like as, as Lucas pointed out, it doesn't really matter, right? Like Jack. So if it's one thing where like they have to get rid of him and they want him to come here and he goes to Lavelle, whatever, it's like, I don't care. Like for me, Jack Campbell is like, eh, whatever. Um, the first round pick or second pick, like again, like if they're sending Ryan Nugent Hopkins, they're going to want more from the Montreal Canadians. Uh, so I don't see a pick being included now. I think if the Montreal Canadiens throw someone in, they're going to get that. They're going to get a pick and they're going to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So I'm going to open it up to the floor and ask the uh, listeners, what would you throw into that to get Ryan Nugent Hopkins and a first or second rounder? And Lucas has another question. Did you see the story of Quebec paying the LA Kings to play preseason games? I saw the number was between seven and nine million dollars, and the Canadians offered to play two games there for free. Also, he did want to say for Carl Tremblay, who did get a tribute um, in at the Bell Center that night uh, from the Cowboy Final. Uh, such an iconic Montreal and Quebec province band, and his passing is truly a loss to the music and the Quebecois world. So, um, for me, the the Cowboys were my first exposure to Quebec music when I moved here full time. Um, and so I do have that as well. I do think that is a fair, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a fair assessment. Like he's iconic to Montreal music in recent years. Um, and it is a huge, huge loss. I will agree with you there, Lucas. So I, I was glad that he did get a tribute. Back to that deal that Lucas was talking about for the LA Kings to play in Quebec City um, for preseason games and being paid when the Montreal Canadiens did offer to pay there for free. Uh, for those of you outside the province, this has been kind of a firestorm over the last couple of days, uh, particularly because they don't think that this is a good um, or we don't think this is a good use of government funds, especially at a time where um, many of the major unions in the province are um, going on on a huge strike. Uh, on and uh, altogether, like it's it's like it's it's one of those years, right? So the, like the government is locked in a lot of wage and retirement plan negotiations with the unions, uh, and at the same time they're spending seven million. Okay, so like in terms of the money, um, the money is it pales in comparison to the negotiations that are being discussed for those unions. So I don't think that that's the context we should take it in, but I do think that this is seven or $9 million, whatever it is, the eight average of $8 million. I do think that this is money that could have been better spent anywhere else. Uh, I think that, you know, like um, the government's point of view was that this will show the NHL how much passion there is for a team in Quebec city. And it will, um, you know, it will hasten that. I, I don't think that that's the case. I think that the government should have spent the money anywhere else, literally anywhere else, because either way, if there, if you build a team in Quebec City, the fans will come. The rivalry will happen. It'll be fantastic. I don't think that you need to market it. I don't think you need to market the idea of a Quebec team coming back to Quebec. That's, you know, so for me, it's like a big waste of money. 
particularly since the Canadians said that they would play there. Um, and that's that's my perspective. You might have a differing perspective, like, but as a Quebecer who pays taxes in this province, I just think that the the money, it, like that money was not going to be enough to like, you know, increase the the wages of any, any group of workers in Quebec, but it could have been spent on not a hockey game or two hockey games or whatever it is. But, you know, happy for the LA Kings. Get yours. All right. In a moment, I will just do uh, some more mailbag questions before I end this episode. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. Trust me, I am somebody who has no idea how to do anything like this. I don't know how to bet. I don't know anything. But with FanDuel, I can do it because there's also a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And trust me, if somebody like me could figure it out, then you know that FanDuel is accessible for everybody. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. And as always, we want to remind you to always, always play responsibly with your money. All right, let's get back into the mailbag questions. We've got a question from Carlina B. Hi, Lauren Scott. First off, thanks so much for hosting the best Montreal Canadiens podcast in the world. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> um, trust me, not everybody agrees with you. So this means a lot uh, to us. Uh, it's also, um, I did want to say, if you want to send us mailbag questions, don't forget, it's LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We are individually on all kinds of social media as The Active Stick and Scott Matler, respectively. Uh, also, you can leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailbag in your comments so we know, or MBQ as some people are doing it now. Uh, just put it there so that we know that that's something that you want to bring up, you want us to bring up on that Friday episode. So let's get back to Carlina's question. Here's my mailbag question. Since Josh Anderson has been struggling to score this season, including while playing on the first line, which linemates on the Canadiens roster do you think would best complement his playing style and help him be able to produce goals? So my opinion has always been that Sean Monaghan would bring the best in him. There was a period of time where he was really good on the Dvorak line, um, but I really think that extended time with somebody like uh, Dvorak, and as Lucas pointed out in an earlier mailback question, like there is an element of luck in that involved. Like there is a point where he just, he simply cannot score. Um, and it doesn't matter what he does, even if he's doing the right things and he's getting the right chances, it's just not a great luck situation for him. So I think a little bit like I had advocated about um, that. I advocated for Martin St. Louis, a little bit of patience. I think we need that a little bit. So um, that's it for the email questions. I've got a couple of YouTube questions to get into as well. Uh, a couple of them are, oh, one of them is, is about Josh Anderson. So Jeff the Red asks us, what will it take for Habs management to realize Josh Anderson is not a top six forward? On a related note, what is your guess as to when Josh Anderson gets his first 
goal. Poor Josh Anderson. <laughs> this seems to be a very common opinion. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that Habs management think that he's a top six forward. I think they have different plans. I think they have a different vision. But he's also not a bottom six forward. He's just he's just this guy that's kind of like a hybrid because he's got that size and he's got that speed, but he doesn't have the smart. So he's got the size and the speed and generally, generally um, enough talent to play on your, you know, middle six, let's say. But then his hockey sense and his creativity don't match who you want in your top six. I think that's where I would put it. So I don't necessarily think that the Canadians have much of a choice here. Like this is a guy they inherited just like a lot of the players on this roster, they inherited him and now they're just trying to make the best of the situation and try their best to figure it out. As for when Josh Anderson is going to get his first goal, I'm going to say December 1st. I know it's still a few games away, but I am going to say let's let's let's, let's just call it on wait, what is the first game before or after December 1st? December 1st is a Friday and I don't believe that the Canadians are uh, playing on Friday. Let's just take a look here. And it is. All right. So on the 30th, they are playing the Florida Panthers in Montreal. And then obviously they will not be paying, playing three games in a row. So their next game is Saturday the 2nd. So it's against Detroit. Um, I think that's where I think that's where he's going to score. He's going to score against Detroit on December 2nd. Uh, Jeff the Red has another question. I feel like Slavkovsky might be on the verge of a breakup based on his recent play. Is that reasonable or is it pie in the sky thinking? I don't know if he's going to have a breakout. I think he's going to steadily improve. Like I'm going to allude to the last couple of episodes I had where I was talking about Lafreniere and, and, and that, that timeline. And then obviously Lucas pointed out like you're watching him getting better. I think it's not going to be a breakout. I think it's going to be a gradual improvement. And then we're going to get into a situation where it's like, oh, actually he did eventually attain his potential. It just took it was a long road and it was non-linear and it was not immediate. Finally, I've got a question from Eric on Twitter. Edmonton needs depth and goaltending ASAP. Montreal, despite a strong start, should still be looking to the future. Trade proposal. Montreal receives Fogel, Picard, a 24 first round pick, top five protected, 25, uh, 2025 20, second round pick and Bourgo. Edmonton receives Monaghan and Montembeau. Who says lo- no? Edmonton. All these trade proposals. I know Edmonton is in a really terrible situation right now. Uh, it's really rough for them and they need to contend ASAP. But Edmonton is going to want more from Montreal for any of these returns. Like this, like all of our all the trade proposals that we've been hearing or seeing in our comments, they're very lopsided in favor of Montreal. And I, I think in, in all those scenarios, Edmonton is going to want a little more. And that's it for today's today's mailbag from me. And Scott will be back for the three up, three down in two more episodes next week. But I do have uh, two very special guests lined up for next week when he's off. I'm so excited for that. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. We're free and available wherever. And uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, LO underscore Canadians. Uh, and obviously, as uh, we are part of the Locked On podcast network with your team every day you want to check out all of our other wonderful wonderful shows thank you for listening and we will talk to you next time